Amen. Our sermon text this morning comes from the second chapter of John, beginning with the 13th verse. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered it was written, Zeal for our house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered answered them, Destroy the temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, the disciples remembered that that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken, the word of God to the people of God. Thanks be to God. Again, good morning and welcome to Good Shepherd United Methodist Church as we worship together the exciting journey of what God is going to do in 2024 is among us. All are welcome on this exciting journey as we discover just exactly where God is leading us this year. Thanks for being with us again today. If this is your first time with us at Good Shepherd United Methodist Church, welcome to the family. Whether you're worshiping with us online or you're here in the house, welcome. Let's take a moment this morning to wave to each other, both online and here in the house, to connect our spirits in worship. In-house folks, if you have uh, seen faces that you don't recognize this morning or, or somebody you haven't seen in a while, be sure to offer them a warm Good Shepherd United Methodist Church welcome. Don't forget to comment if you're online, and please know that if, in, if you're here in the house, it's okay to shout out if the Spirit speaks to you. I'm Pastor Regina, and I look forward to spending some time with you this morning. This morning, we continue our Lenten journey of spiritual preparation, repentance, and reconciliation. As we journey together these next few weeks, may we recognize our need for self-examination, forgiveness, and restoration of faith. May we become stronger in our faith and devotion to God through prayer, study, and fasting during this holy season. In our Lenten sermon series, The Depths of Love, as we enter the passion of Jesus, may we discover just how much we are loved and that all is not lost with Christ. We began this series exploring the true meaning of love by combining the examples of Jesus the covenant between God and Noah, the time-honored definition of 1 Corinthians 13, and the greatest commandment. We discovered our call and responsibility to unconditionally love and serve others as we have been loved. Jesus' resistance of temptation in the wilderness after his baptism and the ultimate resistance of self-will on the cross showed us just how much we are loved. 
Last week we heard from the words of Jesus in Mark's Gospel and we discovered how we, like the early disciples, are called to take up our cross for the sake of the Gospel. We learned what is required of us when we choose to follow Christ. We began to recognize ourselves and our flaws in those first disciples, especially Peter, as we discovered what kind of Messiah Jesus really is. Taking up the cross for the 21st century Christian calls to mind something very different than it did for the first century brothers and sisters. For the modern day Christian, taking up the cross leads us to difficult and uncomfortable places where obedience calls us to go, to unconditional love, to defense of mercy and justice, and to the acceptance of all people. We die to self and we lose ourselves in kingdom work. By placing these rocks you see here today at the foot of the cross, we surrendered our preconceived notions of who the world tells us that the Messiah should be, and we took up our cross to follow Jesus even to death. This week we will see how the role of righteous anger plays out in Jesus' Jesus's interaction with the, those in the temple where we connect the work that we do in the world with our worship. It may seem a bit misplaced to switch to the Gospel of John at at this point in our Lenten journey. John places this cleansing of the temple at the beginning of Jesus' ministry rather than its culmination. Placement of Jesus' action is not the focus here. What matters is that Jesus is demonstrating what it means to that what happens in the temple matters to Jesus. It matters what happens in worship to Jesus. It mattered then what happened in the temple. Jesus didn't separate his work that he was doing in the world from the work that was done in worship, and neither can we. What we do in worship forms and informs how we live out the good news in our daily lives. Worship is not simply a point in our week to be entertained or to make comfortable. Worship is a time to be challenged by God through our worship of God. Worship is a space in time, not a specific hour on Sunday morning, but a space in time where that thin line between the sacred and the divine meets the secular and the human. Worship is designed for humanity to honor God, not for humanity to be honored or pleased. Yes, there should be connection to the divine during worship as that thin line between humanity is blurred, but not to the exclusion of God being the focal point of worship. Each element of worship ushers us into God's presence. Not all of humanity, all of the time, but when and how each of us needs to hear God speak. We have the responsibility to come to worship, being prepared to hear God challenge us, not to just come to be filled and made comfortable. Worship can transform us so that we can better enter the world and do the work of God's kingdom. Our scripture reading today highlights two elements of proper worship, right presence and raising up. Right presence is about each of us making worship a priority and coming to worship with the intention to hear and be in the presence of God. It is preparing ourselves to be open to God's voice and movement within the elements of worship. 
Right presence is not coming to worship to be seen or to gain social standing. It is to be fully present to receive and meet God. Raising up is the means and the fruit of right presence. As our worship points to a living and resurrected God, as we encounter God through elements of worship, as we are formed and transformed by the experience and recognition of God's life-giving love, we are called to share that love with our neighbors. It is the right presence and raising up that Jesus was seeking as he entered the temple and found it desecrated by the ways of the first century world. In our scripture reading today, it's, it's found in the early Gospel of John's, so early that it's before the teaching and healing, storytelling and flowery words the writer of John gives us later in the Gospel. Unlike Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John is in a hurry to get us to Jerusalem. John thrusts us into the story of the temple cleansing before he really introduces us to the Jesus we meet in the rest of his Gospel. The reader of John's Gospel might concur that Jesus had an agenda, an agenda that begins with worship, not just any worship, but right presence worship. Now before we go any farther, let me make it clear that there's no right way or wrong way to worship. Yes, there are particular elements that are set by ancient practices to to be included in formal and corporate worship. There are appropriate boundaries and expectations that make up the worship setting. Worship includes many styles, elements, and types of prayer, music, creeds, and a whole host of other things. However, there are as many ways to worship as there are those of us sitting here today. Worship can and should be a corporate experience, but it can also be intimate and a personal experience. Each of us have a preferred style of worship, an element of worship through which God speaks more clearly and directly. We have, favorite, we have a favored setting of worship that ushers us into God's presence more quick, quickly than another. Worship for each of us is, a person, is as personal as it is corporate. Let me let you in on a secret a secret that should not be kept ourselves. Worship is not about us. Yes, we want to receive something for our time spent in worship. We want to feel good when we leave worship. We want to be spiritually fed in some way during worship. But the focus of worship is God and our ability to meet God each time we come into worship. The focus is solely on God. to focus and solely focus on God. We must prepare ourselves. We must prepare ourselves to receive, feel good, and be fed as we offer ourselves and our praises to God in worship. It is our intention to worship and be fully present that makes worship right presence. Right presence is not about the songs we sing or the words we say. It's not about the design of worship. Right presence is not even about the perfection of the bulletin, the slides, the worship leaders. Yes, striving for excellence is important, but perfection will not be reached on this side of heaven. 
As Wesleyans in the United Methodist tradition, we are striving for perfection, not attaining it. Jesus demonstrates in this passage we read today that the right presence He desires concerns the condition of our hearts as we come to worship. Why Jesus was so upset enough to turn over the tables in the, te- in the temple can be and has been debated over the many years. Maybe it was the unjust system folks had to endure in order to worship. Maybe it was the societal system of oppression in general that people were living under. Maybe it was the unfair treatment of the poor to gain an acceptable sacrifice. Maybe the unfair greed of the money changers had Jesus distressed. All of these reasons would have the Savior of the world upset about the corruption that was taking place in order for sacrifices, a principal element of first century worship, to take place. I wonder what Jesus would think if he he walked into some of our modern-day worship settings with coffee bars, welcome screens, and swag to sell to the worshiper. We may not be selling doves or exchanging coins, but we all have our own brand of flash and dash that might be seen as, by some as distractions to worship. Now today is not the day for us to analyze how we worship, but just a time to recognize that before we criticize our first century temple worship, maybe we need to clean up some of our own practices as well. Let's get back to what Jesus says and does in John's Gospel. John says, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. Other translations refer to this scene as a house of merchandise or a shopping mall. Jesus got so worked up over the the display of commerce that he turned over the transaction tables so that business in the temple would cease. We could argue at times that we've been guilty of confusing ministry support and worship space. Every church I know of is guilty of blurring those lines of ministry and its sustenance within worship. What is ministry to one is capitalist intrusion to another. We can't please everyone. Bottom line is Jesus' answer when he was asked by the leaders of the Jewish temple, what sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus gives us a bit of insight into what upset him about the buying and the selling taking place in the temple. Most of us, given this disruption of Jesus' actions prior to worship, would have called the authorities. We would have had him arrested and at the very least grabbed him and had prevented him from making further destruction. These Jewish leaders, they simply came up and asked Jesus for his credentials. These leaders wanted to know what prophetic credentials or sign that he could show that gave him credence to get away with such outrageous actions. Jesus' answer, destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. With this statement, Jesus is predicting his death and resurrection. It's easy to miss at this point as as the first hearers who took this statement literally. The Gospel of John speaks in layers and wants the reader to think deeper about what is being said than just to take this statement at face value. With this statement, Jesus is saying, he's moving from the physical to the spiritual, from literal to figurative. He's taking these 
these literal things that are being said and moving it into a deeper connection. Worship is more than a building, a courtyard, available sacrifices and modern day music, prayers and creeds. Worship is about a Savior who was destroyed but who was resurrected so that all humanity could receive eternal life. Worship is about a God who loves humanity so deeply that God was willing to die so that humanity could live. We live because God is alive after God's earthly temple was torn down. And after three days, that temple was raised up. Each time we gather for worship, to sing, to pray, to share communion together, we are being raised up. What is it that you are raising up today in worship? How is it that you're being raised up to worship a resurrected Savior? What are you lifting up that first honors God and carries you into the presence as a body of Christ? As we come to worship today and every day, we need to avoid those things that distract us. We should elevate those things that bring us closer to God. The world we live in That world offers us many distractions to right presence. These distractions come in the form of physical items, but also in the interference of the distraction of our souls. If we're going to approach worship with true purpose of right worship, God gives us the responsibility to build those things which honor God rather than tear down the elements that do not meet our preferences in worship. We must build up ourselves spiritually as we honor God with our lives and with our actions. We must gather our faith community and each person within it as we honor each other with godly interaction. We must stand against those things which tear us down as a faith community and as individuals if we're going to approach worship with right presence with right attitude and perspective. We must be alert to the distractions of the world and the evil that surrounds us. What tears us down may not be as obvious as the greedy practices of the money changers. Sometimes it's as subtle as a discouraging word or or a hidden agenda. Our responsibility as followers of Christ who desire to worship God with right presence and raising up is to keep alert to the distractions of the world. May we look toward the resurrection as we look forward to being raised in Christ during this Lenten journey. For we know that even if we need to move out some of those tables that distract us, we are also the body of Christ raised up by our Savior to delight in close intimate life with the triune God and with one another. As we come to the communion table this morning, may we come with open hearts, prepared to experience a risen Savior. May our attitudes and perspectives acknowledge our shortcomings, but also recognize our desires to honor God through right presence. May we seek the forgiveness we need and the reconciliation that is offered by God who loves us enough to face the cross before the resurrection. Offer yourself before the cross and come to the table of grace.
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give our thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth. You brought all things into being and called them good. From the dust of the earth you formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. When rain fell upon the earth for forty days and forty nights, you bore up the ark on the waters, saved Noah and his family, and made covenant with every living creature on earth. When you led your people to Mount Sinai for forty days and forty nights, you gave us your commandments and made us your covenant people. When your people forsook your covenant, your prophet Elijah fasted forty days and forty nights, and on your holy mountain he heard your still, small voice. And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, when you gave him to save us from our sin. Your Spirit led him into the wilderness where he fasted 40 days and 40 nights to prepare for his ministry. When he suffered and died on the cross for our sin, you raised him to life, presented him alive to the apostles during 40 days, and exalted him at your right hand. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. Now, when we, your people, prepare for... The yearly feast of Easter, you lead us to repentance for sin and the cleansing of our hearts, that during these 40 days of Lent, we may be gifted and graced to reaffirm the, reaffirm the covenant you made with us through Jesus Christ. On the night in which he gave himself for up for us, he took bread. He broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, and gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you, for this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with your Holy Spirit, in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, 
now and forever. Amen. If those who are assisting me will come forward. of us and prepared for us by Christ. It is not the United Methodist table. It is not Good Shepherd's table. It is the table of Christ and all are welcome. We will serve by intention this morning which will take a piece of bread and dip it in the cup and then the altar is open for anyone who may wish to pray. We have gluten-free options and single-serve options if you're comfortable with that. So let us come now to the table of grace.
from this place, go knowing that you are loved and share that love with others. Go in peace. Oh, Jesus.